Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Brian, the UK Bitcoin Master. It's really great to have you here. Uh, Just a brief explanation before we get into the podcast in earnest. Uh, I've taken the MP3 from my YouTube uh, videos that I've done over the last few years and created them into podcast form. Now, what you'll notice through the podcast is that uh, on my YouTube channel, I clearly refer to articles that I'm showing on the live stream, which of course you're not going to be able to see on this podcast. So do take that as is, but enjoy the podcast nevertheless. Do check out my YouTube channel, ukbitcoinmaster.com. You'll find all the Bitcoin videos I've done to date. And also bitcoininterviews.com is where you'll find all the interviews that I've done with some of the greatest thought leaders in the Bitcoin space since I've been uh, live streaming. Uh, You can also check me out on Twitter, library.tv, BitChute, DTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at UK Bitcoin Master or forward slash UK Bitcoin Master. Finally, if you enjoy the content, please tweet it out on your Twitter uh, channel so that we can get ears on these podcasts. So thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I think we're live, people. Good evening from the UK. It's 6 p.m. UK time. Um, I am Brian, the UK Bitcoin Master. Massively excited about my show this evening. So welcome to the Bitcoin for Beginners show. And as always, people have a strong Bitcoin hand. The name of the game is be a 20 percenter and build a strong Bitcoin hand. Um, As always, if you enjoy my content, please like this video, share it, subscribe to the channel, bash the bell button so you get notified. You will see that down here um, after the show's gone live. Um, Follow me on Twitter, bitbacker.io, steam it at UK Bitcoin Master. My lovely wife just brought me that (laughs) glass of water, excuse me. So it's superb to be with you all um, for my regular fortnightly that's every other week um some people um are not sure what that means our british terminology gets you guys particularly over the pond but it's every two weeks so every two weeks i interview um somebody in the bitcoin space that is in i believe you know uh a true Bitcoin, a strong Bitcoin, you know, thought process, ethics. Ethics is the wrong word, but um, I'm actually trying to quickly check the chat, guys. Um, Casso, great to have you. Zach Bandera, BTC Moon Guy, Rocky Palumbo's with us. Um, that's me. Andy BTC, Bitcoin Bill. I can't see who else because it's gone off, but welcome, everyone. If you're watching this on Catch Up, welcome to you, even if you're watching it five years down the road. Um, before I get into interviewing my my live guest, as always, some preliminary um, stuff that I really need to take care of. And the first thing I want to do, if my technology will work and it won't work, it's just failed me. <laughs> Don't you love it when technology goes wrong? Hold on, people. For some reason, it's not putting up my disclaimer. And it's not putting up my disclaimer. OK, so there you go. I'm going to say my disclaimer. This is a disclaimer, people. Don't take this as financial advice because none of it is meant as financial advice. I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole a couple of years ago and I can't get out of it. We were just talking off air 
and I just find it so exciting. I just can't put it down. Buffy W, my lovely daughter, is in the house. Pound the like button, people, for my lovely 41-year-old daughter. How about that, then? I know I don't look old enough, people. Listen, it's my show, and if I want to say that, I can. Okay? But, Buffy, great to have you uh, with us. Um, So, don't take this as financial advice, people. It is not. It is simply my opinion. Yeah, I get things wrong sometimes, and there's some great guests in the house, particularly my good friend Rocky, who will always pick me up and put me right if I say something wrong. So, Rocky, great to have you with us. Um, I can't put them up because the technology's let me down, but um, check out my uh, archives at ukbitcoinmaster.com and also the live interviews, and this one will be uploaded there when I finished at uh, bitcoininterviews.com. And you don't need to worry because at the end, um, I will put a couple of little squares up um, and you can simply click on those and go to either of those sites. So, Today is, where are we? Thursday, the 19th of September, 2019. And you know what? It is absolutely mental how fast time is flying by. And I'm convinced that is because when you get into Bitcoin, there's always something going on. Um, Life's exciting. It's like a phenomenal time to be alive. You know, down the rabbit hole, you're learning something about how the world is going to change because Bitcoin came into existence and Satoshi Nakamoto wrote that white paper. And I just find it hellishly excited, exciting. Uh, forgive me for that. I'm not going to change how it's made me feel. Um, it's given me that new lease of life where I'm just blown away. I just can't stop learning. I just want to interview and talk to everybody out there within the Bitcoin space, which leads me nicely into my interview show. Now, um, as some of you were expecting, um, the interview that I announced on Monday was going to be with Alex Savetsky from Australia. But unfortunately, Alex um, messaged me about five hours ago, um, had a major problem, just arrived in the UK, he's here on business, and all of a sudden an appointment was thrown at him that spans 5.30 till 8.30, and he said, Brian, he said, I've got to go where the money is, obviously, he said, and, you know, we'll do another show, and I respect that completely, so I'll get Alex on the call again in the future, but not to belittle my guests that I've got on tonight, because I wasn't quite sure about this guy in terms of where he was at. But when we connected 10 minutes before the show, I realised that I'd seen him on Adam Meister's show and I heard what he had to say and I liked what he had to say. And so here we are. Um, I'm going to introduce you to my guest. I'm going to split my screen and say, Phil, now, Geiger, Geiger, whatever. Welcome to the show, sir. Have I got your surname right or have I butchered it? Uh, you nailed it the first time, uh, UK and Master. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, listen, it's fantastic to have you with me, Phil. And uh, and as always, I'm just going to walk uh, through this interview, get some basics from you about um, your journey within Bitcoin. That's what my viewers uh, want to hear. And if you're brand new onto the channel right now, pound the like button for Phil, pick up the link, head across to Twitter and retweet it, tell them that there's a great interview going on. Um, So, Phil, let's start the call, as always, by um, hopefully you'll tell my audience a little bit about you, where you're from, what your background is, and maybe how you first heard about or discovered Bitcoin. And there's several questions in one there. And maybe 
what your initial thoughts were around what you saw. Absolutely. So I think I'm uh, kind of uniquely positioned to understand Bitcoin. Um, I studied economics when I attended the uh, Syracuse University, uh, graduated uh, 2010, which was right in the middle of the financial crisis. Um, and yeah, studied economics. Um, while I was at the, you know, studying this, I didn't really uh, particularly enjoy it. Uh, it. It felt a lot like it was trying to predict, you know, try to predict how people are going to behave. It didn't seem like it was quite um, attached to, you know, the reality of how people behave. So I abandoned economics for a little while and went into uh, tech, actually. Wow. Uh, yeah. But uh, by going from economics into tech, uh, it kind of dovetailed really nicely into uh, when I discovered Bitcoin. And that was in 2014. I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, um, and attended a sort of informal TED Talk where called Nerd Night, where, you know, they have uh, a bunch of uh, grad students giving presentations and there's alcohol and one grad student gave a presentation just about money, and um, she kind of went through the Island of Yap uh, story and the, the different properties and traits of money, and things kind of connected in my mind um, during that talk. So I was incredibly lucky to just be in the right place at the right time, have had a background in economics, and then it was, was deep into a, into a tech company at that time. Um, and, you know, before that, I think I had heard of Bitcoin just either on Reddit or somewhere around the Internet. And to me, when I first heard it, it just sounded a lot like World of Warcraft gold or, you know, money that somebody generated from within a video game. Yep. So it didn't really click until I got the uh, monetary history and sort of the economic story behind it. Um, and then when I had those pieces... Yeah, I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole and I've been stuck there ever since trying to figure out, you know, what's the easiest way to describe this thing? Um, <laughs> what are the, the traits of it that resonate with people? And what I found is, you know, everybody has, um, has those different puzzle pieces that I think eventually end up connecting for them. And how do you start, even now, I mean, for me, I mean, you, you, you discovered it 2014. I got a phone call in May 2017, you know, and, mm -hmm. and a business colleague said to me, what do you know about Bitcoin? And I said, what the hell is that? He said, what, you never heard of cryptocurrency? I said, and what's that? <clears throat> I literally had no clue. Um, so I'm like three years after you, so to speak, but... Even today, how do you explain Bitcoin to someone? How do we even begin to try? You know, my friend just sent me two or three videos. One of them had Bill Gates and Richard Branson on it talking, you know, loads of little clips put into a short video saying, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's this, Bitcoin's that. And it's like, really? These guys? Um, so I've spent the last two and a half years trying to get some of my loved ones, the closest people to me, to try and catch my vision of where Bitcoin's going and just how it's got the ability. Now, nothing's set in stone, is it, apart from death and taxes, but just how Bitcoin has got its the best shot ever to change the world of money, finance, banking, governments, etc. But where the hell do we start to explain that? Phil, I mean, have you got any methodology where, you know, 
this is the route I would go? Do you get the same battles that I get with people? I mean, I've got my brother, his his um, son-in-law, my nephew. He came to me months ago and said, don't talk to me about Bitcoin. You know, I lost a thousand quid in Bitcoin. You know, sort of when you drill down, you know, you go back and say, well, you didn't lose a thousand quid in Bitcoin because if you bought Bitcoin and you held it, you're only losing on paper. But if you hold and it goes back up again, you don't lose. So you must have been in a trading scheme. Oh, I don't care. I'm not interested in, in Bitcoin. So it's this eternal, how do we get that message over to people? So your thoughts on that? Great question. I think at a basic level, it's it's that most people in the world actually understand money, right? So understanding money is a really, really core component, in my opinion, to understanding Bitcoin. Yep. And yep. in order to describe money, what I what I like to tell people is that, you know, I think there's this common uh, idea out there right now that money is this shared belief. Um, that's completely false. Money isn't a shared belief. It's a tool. Yep. Right. Yep. It's a tool that humans discovered to solve a problem. And um, it's really a form. It's a tool that, that helps us communicate. So what I what I tell people is that money is a tool that humans use to store and communicate value. Yeah. And yep. just like any other tool, you know, be it a hammer or a computer or anything, it can have properties that make it better or worse at its job of storing and communicating value. Bitcoin is the best money because it is the most scarce and also at the same time most neutral. Um, you know, if you have a money that's very scarce but is all controlled by one party, it's not really that interesting. I mean, that's um, then you're just kind of living in, in that, that party's bubble. So the neutrality of Bitcoin is really, really important along with the scarcity. And the way that it maintains both of those two things, those two properties, is that it, as a system, increases in decentralization over time. Yep. Um, so we use this idea of decentralization, and you've heard it, like decentralize everything. But time is an absolutely critical component of decentralization. Like, you know, at a given snapshot, something can be de decentralized, but the really innovative aspect of Bitcoin is that as time passes, it becomes more decentralized. And thinking about money and the history of money, um, and really the history of civilization, uh, humans have this kind of innate tendency to centralize things over time. Yep. Um, yep. I think, you know, a good example of this is just the original um, discovery of, of like a good used to store and exchange value. Um, it's It has these physical properties. So gold emerged as that number one um, monetary good over a course of, you know, 15,000 years or something. But the problem with gold is that it's so it's physical. So you have to store it in a central location. And if a central location has, um, you know, has all the gold, they get to make all the rules. So, um, really, there is no innovation, I think, in in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin without the, the fact that as a system, it completely rejects our 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 um, internal desires to like centralize things. Um, it decentralizes. And then on, on top of that, like, uh, I think just going back to the basics uh, of money is if you look historically at um, 
you know, like archaeological records and human civilizations, uh, the first form of written communication or written documents we've we discovered were ledgers. Um, so what this what this tells me is that for early civilizations like the Sumerians, money solved a problem earlier for their growing civilization than like a written or commonly spoken language. So that's kind of uh, leads into the idea of money being a communication tool. It's a it's a very very low level communication tool um, that the entire society stack is built upon. Uh, so if you have a bad money, things start going wrong. If you have a good money, people can cooperate even if they don't speak the same language or if they hate each other. <laughs> but you've still got. I mean, that's great, and you know you can you could teach that to a class couldn't you but you yeah. can't you can't when you've got that short window to try and explain this to your family member or something that's just a that's a no-go as far as i'm concerned you know i get what you're saying um but the, uh, and adam meister always talks about the 80 percenters well my take is actually i believe more like 95 percent of people will just walk through life from paycheck to paycheck job to job and as long as they just got enough money to pay everything and have a takeaway and a blockbuster movie at the weekend sorry that's showing my age um that's how most people will live their life um so what we have to do is try and get that message across to those that are open to um yeah. hearing it and for me the the, the eye-opener for me was the bitcoin standard safer than the moose's bitcoin standard now there are two types of people in this world there are people that like to read and there are people that like to listen and i'm a listener so out walking lying in bed you know morning you know evening i would listen to the bitcoin standard and i'm going to go around and do it a second time because <clears throat> you know you only pick up so much at your particular development stage don't you and you know in my other business i teach people go and read a book you know maybe a couple of years after first buying it and you'll read it and go well i don't remember reading that last time we develop we grow and we're going to develop and we're going to grow in in bitcoin as well but it's still the challenge is still what simplistic tools have we got that we can share with people to at least gain their interest because somebody has to have the initial interest before they'll go down the rabbit hole now when my friend called me um, you know, Elaine, my lovely wife, you know, she's an analyst, so she's very sceptical by nature. You know, whenever anybody says anything, Elaine will say, why? You know, and some people get offended by that, but an analyst will ask why? You know, don't tell me it can do this. Why? Don't tell me I should do this. Tell me why? So for me... I had this interest straight away and just jumped on YouTube and went down that rabbit hole. So, you know, we are really in a hell of a situation trying to explain this to people by saying the world of money is going to change. So, you know, I just think the Bitcoin standards is an incredible right book, audio, whatever you want to call it. But it's still a difficult thing to try and get that message across to people. Hang on. What is Rocky saying in the chat? I'm with you, Brian. It's 95.5. Not, okay. Yeah. 80.20. So, um, so it's a bit of a difficult one. So how do we, how do you think this is going to play out? You say, say over the next three, four, five years in terms of adoption, getting people to get down that rabbit hole and learn. I mean, where do you see it going? I mean, this is off the bat. This is a question I normally ask a little bit later, but let's look at maybe two, five, then 10 years. How do you see the Bitcoin 
I won't say crypto because I'm a I'm not a maximalist. I don't know. It depends how you, um, how, you know what you 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 say a maximalist is. I lost my words there. But for me, you know, I've got a I've got a, when I first got into it, you know, I bought a load of Bitcoin. I got a little bit of Ethereum because I thought, well, I don't know what it is, so I'll get some Ethereum as well. And I've never, uh, you know, thrown it in. I I've got some Bcash, obviously, and um, some B Gold and some. MWC that I've claimed for, um, but but basically, my, pretty well all of my pot is Bitcoin. So, how do you see the Bitcoin landscape evolving in the short term, say two to five years, and maybe w- what do you think it might look like in ten years? Just loosely. Now we can't predict the future, but your thoughts. Great questions, and I think you know I can only speak for myself, but for me and my full node that I run at home, Bitcoin has won. Um, it is my long-term savings currency. Uh, I use you know U.S. dollar and whichever other you know, uh, national currency I need to while I'm traveling in order to you know spend. But for me, Bitcoin is is how I, I store my value long-term, um, and while that might seem kind of unreasonable today for a lot of people, I think just the fact that there are people like me out there who are using Bitcoin as their primary savings currency means that it's something that you really need to pay attention to. And, um, you know, I think what you what you said earlier and, you know, I've, I've had that that problem myself uh, being from the U.S. Like, I think we both have this shared problem that the U.K. and the U.S., um, currencies are both very, very strong. So we get that question like, yeah, but I have the British pound or, you know, I have the US dollar. Why, why should I care about this other currency? Um, and the reality is that currency itself is a non-productive good, right? Mm. You, you, it doesn't, it doesn't grow. Um, it, it doesn't add productivity. It's, it's solely used to store and communicate value. So you really only want to pick the best currency and ignore the rest. Um, and the best currency is the one that has the lowest inflation rate. So what I say to people is like, I, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have inflation. Um, it has a fixed supply and a schedule. Um, and we can predict with nearly perfect information exactly, you know, how many Bitcoin are going to exist at a given point of time. And that question cannot be answered. Um, when you look at your other currencies, so I mean, just um, just today and yesterday, the you know the U.S. Federal Reserve printed 120 something billion dollars, and nobody could have predicted that that was going to happen. Um, but with Bitcoin, at any given moment in time, you know you know exactly the supply. Um, so it's you know while while it's kind of complicated as a system, it's actually far more simple than the system that we have today. Like. The, the fact that, you know, one person can, given enough time and enough um, uh, enough interest, can figure out pretty much exactly how Bitcoin works and then find the economic tools to describe it, uh, that's way different than, than um, other, other currencies. And then in regards to uh, holding multiple currencies, um, for a while, uh, during 2017, I was actually helping clients to collect and sell all of the different Bitcoin forks. Because um, my understanding of Bitcoin is that it has completely solved this problem of, of inflation or scarcity. And so therefore, all of these other crypto assets um, are just not scarce 
from the outset. Yeah. So they, they can't really win, um, at least from my perspective. So what I did is I immediately would gather them and sell them and convert them to more Bitcoin, which is, in fact, a scarce digital good. And I think, yeah, um, you know, for anybody watching this in the future that is thinking of entering Bitcoin or has just accumulated a bit of Bitcoin and doesn't understand it, you know, Bitcoin's the only coin that's got the seven network or got the network effects. All seven are not in place fully yet. We know that, but pretty well we're there. You know, it's a scarcity aspect. And from a, a layman's point of view, from an ordinary working class guy's point of view, which I am, you know, I say to people, look, <clears throat> if there's only 21 million ever going to be mined, if 18 million and don't pick me up anyone on 17 and a half or 18 and a bit or whatever. But if 18 million are already out there, if three or four million are lost, keys lost, computers thrown away, whatever, there's just not going to be enough to go around. This is what I try to explain to people. So just accumulating one Bitcoin could see 100x of that in a decade or two or less. I don't know. Now, compare that to putting a few thou into a bank account. Now, in my British bank account, I've got my, uh, I think you call it a checking account. You know, we call it a current account, but I've also got a savings account and that's not worth a jot. You know, I get a, I get a, an email from the bank at the end of the year saying, wow, you've just earned 31 pounds in interest over the year. So just compare what your savings is going to give you to what bitcoin could give you and decide for yourself which has the most upside now obviously bitcoin could fail we know that nobody can say it won't fail but everybody is saying pretty well it's got the best chance of being money without a doubt it's got everything in place you know some of the best developers in the world on it you know but is that worth a risk is that worth you know, a little bit of um, speculation. You know, I put my money into Bitcoin to start with to speculate. And of course, being my age, you know, I want some return on that in my golden years. But more so now, I'm so interested in how Bitcoin is going to change my children's futures, my grandchildren's futures, my grand great-grandchildren's futures long after I'm not here. And that is the part that it just makes my head explode, you know, because it is the most exciting thing ever. I want to pick up on something Rocky Palumbo said. He said, LOL, the people in here are the Bitcoin one percenters. I'd go along with that, Rocky. I think most people have heard of Bitcoin, don't understand it, don't want to, keeping it at arm's length, dismiss it. But there's one percent of people that are in it and are starting to learn about it and are going are down that rabbit hole and we just can't put it down. So, yeah, do you I mean, Phil, do you think I've got my own views and they're just views, people, no financial advice, but I've got my own views. But how do you see Bitcoin playing out in terms of banks, money? Do you think it will coexist with fiat currencies? Do you think fiat currencies will 
go go and bitcoin will become the standard will be there be something backed by bitcoin how do you see that playing out and when do you think that could happen loosely there's a big one for you yeah so i think another thing to understand or at least my understanding of money has has got, um, gotten me to a place where i understand that international currency competition is uh it's a zero-sum game um, as one currency increases in value, like the Chinese yuan, uh, or in this case, you know, it's been de decreasing in value. Um, as that currency decreases in value, other currencies measured in it are increasing in value. Um, so, you know, if we look at Bitcoin as a fixed supply of 21 million, um, Bitcoin is actually the most stable currency we've ever seen because the supply of it absolutely cannot be adjusted under any circumstance. Yep. Um, yep. So what I've started doing is measuring other currencies in Bitcoin and things start looking a lot uh, scarier, I think, in other currencies because they just keep decreasing in value. Yep. And this yep. is the reality of it is like the longer that Bitcoin survives and it becomes increasingly more difficult to kill every day that it survives, um, the more likely that your national currency is decreasing in value measured in it because you know there's no there's no predictable supply it's 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 just paper and anyone you know your your central bank can print essentially an infinite amount of it bitcoin can't you can't you can't uh, you can't make any more of them so yeah i mean for me um, bitcoin has already won and you know, I validate at home that it is still running according to the rules that I've I've set, um, and I, I refuse to to sell any of my satoshis because it's scarce, and I have U.S. dollars that I can sell first. Um, so <coughs> if enough people, you know, if enough people like that, like myself, um, believe in this and and understand the properties of money, and Bitcoin isn't dead, then I think we can say pretty with a lot of certainty that it's going to increase in value over time. Like what I study at, at this point is just the adoption metrics. And I look at things like hash rate. I look at things like full nodes being run. I look at um, local Bitcoin volumes internationally. And, and we just see there's, there's a, like an increase in the number of people who are interested in this thing. And then simultaneously, I think um, like, Actually, countries that have uh, weaker currencies are in a bit of an advantage compared to those countries that have stronger currencies because uh, people living in those countries, so such as Iran or Venezuela or um, even to some extent like you know Argentina or Colombia, like they they are looking for an alternative to their local currency sooner, and so they find Bitcoin. Um, at an increasing like penetration level sooner than other countries. Um, so yeah, I think in the next five, 10, 15 years, uh, we're gonna see the most um, massive wealth transfer in the history of humanity. And I actually kind of expect those countries uh, that have weaker currencies today to actually come out ahead in the long term as a result. So, uh, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. <clears throat> uh, I have to be very careful about voicing how I feel about it all because people are saying you just have gone barking mad you have lost your mind you know but um <clears throat> I actually think and it's only my opinion 
that this thing is going to take off quicker than anyone ever imagined. But that said, Bitcoin is creeping. I think it's like winter. It creeps. It's just it's just it is it. it Bitcoin just is. Yeah. yeah. Um, nobody can play around with it. Nobody can tamper with it. Like you said, um, finite supply, fixed supply. There's going to come a tipping point where more and more people are going to or and institutions, you know, are going to want to get hold of some. Now, I might be wrong on this, but just to give you an idea, you people, I heard a, a statistic that there are something like 39 million millionaires in the world. If that's the case, there isn't even enough Bitcoin for every millionaire to buy one Bitcoin. Just think of that. So without sounding like Mr. Meister himself, I think you should work to accumulate one Bitcoin and then work to accumulate two, then five, then 10, whatever it is over your life expectancy, your next few decades of your, you know, prime years, whatever you want to call it, by just dollar cost averaging. Just set it up from your bank and just let your bank put it every month into Coinbase until something else comes along that's, you know, better. But for now, the on-ramps seem to be Coinbase. Um, they're all KYCing and AMLing. You're not going to get away with that. So, and these these um, decentralized ones, you know, I've looked at some of them. They don't really help me here in the UK right now. But just on-ramp, get some Bitcoin. Something I should have mentioned at the start of the show is buy your Bitcoin, get it straight off an exchange onto a Trezor. That's the only one I recommend because it's the only one I use. So I can't talk about the others i'm a massive fan of trezor um get it onto your trezor keep your seed words safe do whatever you need to do to protect them and then just get on with life go to work love your family go on holiday dig the garden mow the lawns whatever you do that's what us brits do and just don't keep checking the charts because I know that Bitcoin's price is down right now. Now, Rocky's going to pick up if I'm not careful and say, great buying opportunity. You know, it's on sale. So it is. But for the fiat freaks out there that are watching that, it will freak you out, people. Don't do it. Just buy your coins. Let dollar cost averaging every in, in every payday and just let your position accumulate don't worry about what bitcoin's doing in the short term and i always like to zoom out and look at the charts from say 29 2010 2011 whatever it is to 2019 and when you look at i think it was 2014 with the mount gox hack you know that was a big deal back then i don't know if you were in before or just after it but it was a big deal but when you look at the chart now that was a bump in the road and i i don't know how, what your thoughts are phil but i believe that you know, the 2017 high, just a shade, I think it touched $20,000 for a nano heartbeat or something or just under whatever it was. You know, then we crashed down and, you know, the rest of 2018 and it was a bear market and a bit of 2019, it didn't move. And we're still going sideways. If you look at the chart now, you know, I, I don't understand technical analysis. I don't understand charts. That's Rocky's bag and maybe yours. It's not mine. But I just see, you know, a sideways move. But then all of a sudden, there'll be something, there'll be a catalyst that drives it up again. So if you start watching the charts too often, all you're seeing is, Bitcoin at 10.5, Bitcoin at 10.2, Bitcoin at 10.1, Bitcoin at 9.8, or whatever it is. 
I couldn't tell you what it is. Somebody put in the chat earlier about Bitcoin's recovered a bit. I, I don't know who it was, but they said it's, it's good to see it coming back up a bit. Not for me. I don't look at it because I'm in this even at my time of life. I'm in this. For me, the 2024 halving and what happens in 2025 will be absolutely pivotal for my retirement fund. So <laughs> what are your thoughts around the halvings and what they will or won't do, Phil? Do you see them mirroring the same patterns as, say, 2016 and 2012? Do you think it might be different because of more people, governments, institutions, Trump, whoever, are aware of Bitcoin now? So how do you see the 2020 halving playing out uh, specifically? Because we're pretty close, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so my, my experience is I've, I've lived personally through one of the halvings and, and we saw what happened in 2016. Um, I think that it's going to continue to grow in these sort of exponential pump and then dump waves. Um, and the reason I believe that kind of goes back to, again, the fact that Bitcoin has a totally fixed supply. So in economics, or at least microeconomics, you have a supply and demand graph. Bitcoin supply is vertical. The yep. only thing that changes is demand. And so it's just hitting against this vertical supply of, you know, this, this set supply, like a, sort of like a tidal waves, right? Like it, it smashes against it, it spikes by a thousand percent, and then it'll crash 90%. Um, but when it crashes, it's still up three, four, five X from the previous all-time high. Um, so, you know, if, if this prediction is even remotely accurate, then what I would expect for our next pump post-havening is anywhere from between 100 and 300 something thousand US dollars per Bitcoin. But keep in mind, um, this is actually just the US dollar decreasing in value, not necessarily um, Bitcoin increasing. It's kind of a mix of both. Like more people are getting into Bitcoin, which means it increases in value. But that also means that they're leaving the dollar. So that's they're decreasing and increasing at the same rate. Um, and another thing you brought up, which is kind of funny, is uh, this idea of there's only 21 million supply and 36 million um, or 39 million millionaires out there. One of my good friends made the analogy. I don't know if you have this across the pond, but have you ever heard of the game Spoons? No. It's a card game uh, for little kids. Right. But you sit, you know, in a group and, uh, you know, you have four people or five or six or whatever people. But in the middle of the, the circle, you have one fewer spoon than um, the number of people playing the game. So okay. everybody is playing, playing their cards. They're trying to make a hand. Um but once the first person makes a hand, they grab the spoons and somebody is going to be left out. So I really liked that analogy because, you know, we have 21 million spoons in the middle. Everyone around the world is sort of playing their, their game, their fiat currency game. But really, the spoons are what matter. And there aren't enough for everyone. So I like <laughs> I just, I, I just, I want to burst. What I want to do is, it's my show. Get in there, people! Get in there! Okay, calm back down again. Uh, my wife just popped in the chat. Suddenly, Christmas sounds appealing. Um, that was Bitrio, I think, must have said something based on six months. It's really interesting because I was looking on Twitter the other day and I saw a graph. And, 
you, Rocky's probably aware of it, maybe you are, but, uh, and I can't think of who it was from now, but it, it was a graph that had a green band at the top and I think a pink band at the bottom with a, with a timeline, and it was just showing Bitcoin, you know, going up and down between the two bands. Um, but basically, what it was emphasising was that, and that was since inception, since the Genesis block, it's just carried on that about a 45 degree trajectory upwards. And if you take where Bitcoin's gone in the last 10 years, and if that traje- trajectory continues over the same over the next 10 years, I mean, you are going to see a Bitcoin as close as I've ever known to a million dollars. Would you would you concur with that? Have you got a different thought process on that? Because, you know, and that's being conservative because, you know, I mean, from a, a an ordinary guy perspective, what could stop that? Here's a good question for you. What could stop that happening, do you think? Is there anything? Is there? I thought about this a lot. And <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know of a way to stop it, to be honest. Like, um, you know, we hear a lot about governments, uh, you know, trying to ban it, but we've already seen what happens when governments try to ban it in both like China and also in Venezuela. Like, people still use it. It's it's like when governments try and ban, um, you know, illicit drugs or something. Like, it doesn't remove it entirely from society. It just drives the drugs to the black market. In the event of of Bitcoin, if they're banning it then the citizens who are living in their country who are following the laws are not going to spend their Bitcoin, which would then just make them hold it longer, therefore increasing its value relative to some of the other currencies. Um, And then you see, you know, you hear about, well, maybe a government can um, start mining it and 51% attack it. Um, and, And this also doesn't really make sense to me because um, this is assuming that Bitcoin has gotten so valuable that governments are now like, we need to kill it today. Um, But the entire network, it grows increasingly difficult to kill every single day. So, you know, right now the network's at 100x a hash, and that's, um, that's an absurd amount of energy and money required just to double spend a transaction. So assuming that, you know, um, people, governments around the world cooperate and try to attack this thing. And we, you know, despite this, we already know that gov- that individuals and governments around the world already hold Bitcoin. Yeah. So they're acting against a lot of their own personal best interests. But say they want to try to attack it. They purchase all of these miners. Then they, they 51% attack it. Well, we've seen what happens to uh, cryptocurrencies that are 51% attacked. I mean, Bitcoin gold was 51% attacked. And... It's still around. <laughs> so <laughs> would they kill it? I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think I don't think they want to. If, right. if I'm I honest, think... I, you know, the, these governments, these countries, you know, let's not mince words here. They've got some very smart people in those yeah. countries and governments. Now, smart doesn't mean they understand Bitcoin because there's a lot of smart people out there that just don't get this. Peter Schiff being one. You know, there are so many there. So, you know, notwithstanding that, of course, you know, governments, you know, I cannot believe for one minute they have not looked into it and are not doing something under the radar. I I really they have to be surely. I I I think the smaller countries, Malta, countries like that are going to be, you know, you said that the shift in wealth 
I think that's going to come from these countries that, you know, get this ahead of the, the, the superpowers. Your thoughts? I agree. I mean, the, the superpowers, and, and we have to always assume that everybody is trying to attack the network. Um, but what's interesting, again, about Bitcoin is that you really have to look at and, and think about how you would react in this given scenario. So I, I posed a, just like a Twitter poll the other day, um, assume that an inflation bug had been found and was executed. So like all of us running our nodes at home uh, had received and verified transactions that increased the limit of Bitcoin beyond 21 million. Yep. Um, I asked people what they would do and I gave them three options. I said, just accept the inflation, keep, you know, fix the bug so it doesn't happen again, but accept the increased supply. Um, fix the bug, but then keep the 21 million, um, which would, for those who are a little bit more technical, would mean a hard fork. Yep. And then the third option was um, give up Bitcoin's dead. And like, you know, it was a small poll. I think 150 people um, voted and 86% of them said hard fork, 21 million. So you just have to think about yourself. Like, and and I would I would be a part of that. Like if if my node at home validated a transaction that had more than twenty one million, I would fix it and run software that only had the twenty one million limit because that's what I've signed up for. So uh, each individual who's running a node at home and who's voting with their money is actually voting for the direction of of how Bitcoin's going to evolve. It's a it's it, it is the market uh, in action, right? Like. It is the will of the of of consensus, and consensus is both technical and social. And I think that the social consensus is 21 million. Um, it doesn't allow for double spend. So if somebody you know hacks uh, or or gets all the miners and tries to double spend a transaction, like I, I think that the network would survive. I don't think that that would kill it. Then you have things like you know Bitcoin being broadcast from satellites in space, and yep. Nick Shapo has been working recently on on. Uh, on transacting via radio waves and we you know then we have the mesh network like you know we, we should all be really um vigilant and we can't really let it fail but that's up to each of us individually so therefore i don't think it's going to fail because i'm not going to let it fail like i said it's my savings currency it's it's the best savings technology that i've ever seen and it's uh it's really interesting to me and i i don't i'm not going to let it fail myself so and I think if you if you pull all this back, just think about this for a moment. Um, we've all got out of savings. You know, people have got out of savings and nobody looks at their, you know, their wages, their salary and says, right, well, I'm going to save 10 percent. People just live to their means. And most people live beyond their means. OK, um, what it's done for me, what Bitcoin has done for me. And, and by the way, with all my friends said, with everything he said to me when he called me, I was living abroad at the time um, off the tip of Africa down in the Canary Islands. We moved down there to retire and I got this Skype call and he just went on for an hour and three quarters. And trouble is, Elaine was obviously doing the why. But the one bit that I got was the scarcity, the 21 million. My brain said simply, and I got a pea-sized brain, my brain said, 21 million if people want this and i get one my god i'm going to be in a good position that's all i got 
you know, so when I'm talking to people, I try to talk to them about the scarcity aspect. If they start to open their mind, I would then start to break it down a little bit more. You know, that the like you said, consensus and all the devs and the fact that you know it can't be taken down bar something. I think somebody said on a on a on a, a show recently that for a country to you know fifty one percent attack Bitcoin, it would need just tens of billions just hundreds of billions to do it you know i don't understand the hash rate and the hexa hashes and everything i mean i'm starting to gain this hash rate you know rocky keeps drumming it into me but i don't really understand it too much but then i don't need to this is my bitcoin for beginners show and i'm learning as i go along at my pace um i was going to say something to you and you know when you get to my age, all of a sudden it goes out of your blooming head and it, I can't remember. Um, so, look, we've, we're 45 minutes in, 46 minutes in. L- let me ask you a question. Would you give some advice to anyone new watching this today in 2019 or one, two, five, ten years down the road, if it's still up on YouTube, about what they should be doing around Bitcoin getting in should they be learning what should just some sound advice very basic advice because i want people to pick this up in the future please phil my my advice and keep in mind i'm not a financial advisor so this is just opinion um is everybody should get off zero when it comes to bitcoin get some 20 quid worth 20 dollars worth some Um, (coughs) and then beyond that uh, if, if, you know, after you've gotten a small amount and you would like to continue to get more, like you said earlier, dollar cost average, um, skip going to the pub once a week, put that money instead into Bitcoin, save it, save it for the long term. Um, and uh, yeah, like that's just the approach that I've personally taken. I've, I've never invested more than I can afford to lose. Um, I also haven't really... Um, you know, sold it. I just hold it. I just save it until the day when I feel like I need to make a large purchase. Uh, you know, get my moon base, for example. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> just throwing that out there. If I happen to, you know, buy a moon base with it, but um, yeah, like it, it's just uh, it's a global phenomenon. You can go to any country in the world, and there are meetups. There are groups of people who are working to spread awareness and education about this. And their numbers are increasing. So it, you really, really need to get some. Yeah, I agree. Not your life, not your life savings, but an amount that you are comfortable kissing goodbye forever in your national currency. Yeah, um, yeah. Like whenever I buy Bitcoin, I, I just don't, I don't buy it under the assumption that I'm going to convert it back to U.S. dollars. Um, it's Me just neither. not what I'm interested in doing personally. Um, and I'm, I. I you can tell that I'm like kind of on the on one extreme of that area, but like, uh, but that's just what I do. So, <clears throat> well, I'm exactly the same, and I'll tell you something. And I meant to say this earlier, so I'm sort of darting backwards and forwards. But um, it's really interesting when I was talking about the savings because um, I'm due an upgrade to my Mac, okay? But the Mac to run the live streaming software. Are, I I need to run. You know, I've got to have a very top spec Mac, and it's just shy of four thousand pounds. Do you know what my brain's saying? Hold the Mac. Bitcoin. There, there you go. That's that's what going down this rabbit hole has done for me. Every time I want to make a purchase or need to make a purchase, my brain says, 
oh, it's a tenth of a Bitcoin, or that's a half a Bitcoin. And it, so it, it, it's phenomenal as an education tool, I think. If you get into Bitcoin and you start to realise that the price really could appreciate. And I personally believe that in my lifetime, you know, people are saying one Bitcoin is $10,000. You know, I believe there'll come a time when point one Bitcoin is $10,000. And there might even come a time where, you know, 0.01 Bitcoin could be $10,000. Who knows? But, you know, think of that, people. And like Phil said, get off of base. Get into this and get buying something because that something, £100, $100, £1,000, $1,000, over time could be absolutely monstrous for you. And like Phil said, great advice. You know, put money in that you can afford to lose. We've got a very decent position in Bitcoin. But if it went tomorrow, would Elaine and I be absolutely cheesed off and hacked off? Yes, of course we would. But it does not affect our day-to-day -day living, the way we live our life, two or three holidays a year. That's the important thing. You know, whatever you dollar cost average in, if it did go to the wall, you know, you can rub your brow, you know, dust yourself down and you could just go again and it wouldn't affect your life. I, I heard a story once when I first got into Bitcoin of, of some guy or a family actually in Sweden that sold their house and put the whole lot into Bitcoin. And I think they're multi-millionaires now, but I wouldn't suggest anyone does that or, you know, sells the car to get, well, maybe sell the car. That's a depreciating asset, but put it on credit cards. No, look at your finances. Phil said it, people. Look at your drinking, your smoking, your takeaways. You know, do you really need that extra new dress or pair of shoes? Elaine will be giving me grief now I've said that. Um, you know, could that go into Bitcoin? Because for me, my brain's saying £3,600. If I put that into Bitcoin, there's a potential in a couple of years that could be 10000 do, do you know what I mean? 20000 40000 but I also think, Phil, and I don't know what your views are on this, You, I think you've got to balance it out. You've still got to live your life. You know, if the car's getting old, you're still going to have to change the car. You're still going to want to go on holiday. So I think what we should be doing is balancing, accumulating, dollar cost averaging in, but also buying what we need to to go through life. Um, I'm a great fan of Adam Meister. I call him a friend. But, you know, Adam's radical. He's absolutely radical. You know, I'm not having a mobile phone. I'm cleaning my teeth with baking soda or whatever he does. And, you know, I'm, I'm just putting everything. Great, phenomenal. Well done, Adam. And way to go, mate. But that's not for me because what I don't want to do, for me, it's not the destination. It's the journey. You know, the destination, great, we want to get there, but you not want to enjoy the journey. So I don't want to be in a point in my life where I can't buy anything, I can't do anything, I can't go anywhere because I must put it all into Bitcoin. I think that's, for me personally, too radical one way. Would you would you agree with yeah, that? I, I'm with you completely. Like Everyone needs to live their life. Um, you're not going to starve to death clutching onto your Bitcoin because then what's the point? Um, yeah. It is at the end of the day money. It's the but I'm not money. spending the Bitcoin. I'm not spent. It's coming out of my fiat. <laughs> the Bitcoin is not being touched until end of 2025. 
for me. So, so think about it. If we if we think about it back in our in my analogy to the game spoons, right? The Bitcoin is that we already have our hands on the spoon in the middle, yep. but we're still making our we're still playing our hands uh, in the in the other currency. Um, so just by getting some at this point, you already have your hand on that scarce asset. Keep living your life. Like I love traveling. I love mountain biking. Um, you know, I spend money on these things, and you know, I buy you know, laptops and technology and stuff. But at the, uh, at the other side, on the other side of things, like I, I save, like yeah. I just have two currencies that I live in. I live in two separate economies, to be honest. I live in the U S economy and I live in the global Bitcoin economy. Ditto. Um, Ditto. Yeah. So, so we're, we're just, we're in a transitional period and it's pretty amazing that we're all alive for this. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. When, so, when when you consider we've just recently turned a millennium, okay, yeah. not just a century, a millennium, and most people will never experience that. I mean, all the worries about everything was going to crash, you know, at midnight on 20, 1999, it never happened. The banks were going to fail. That didn't happen. Um, so we've lived through, in, we've gone through a millennium. Well, for those of us that are old enough, actually, um, we are in Bitcoin as it's evolving. We are going to see, God willing, we are going to see certainly the next 10 or so years how it plays out and how massively exciting it's going to be. <clears throat> you know, I've lost loved ones, including my kid brother, too young, who will never know this, never seen it. You know, there's going to be people that are born way after the whole thing's well, you know, it could go another hundred years with, you know, when the last Bitcoin's mined. But you you take my point. It is such an incredible time personally for me to be alive. You know, you can see that you can feel it in my energy when I do these shows because it blows my mind. It just doesn't stop. But I need to draw this to a close because we're five minutes away from one hour. So, Phil, what I want to do is say a monster thank you for jumping on the show because I think this has been one of the most enjoyable shows I think I've done. It's been absolutely superb. So okay. do you want to tell – I'm going to put your link to your Twitter below um, yeah. once we finish the show. But is there anything you want to say to the audience, anywhere they can find you, things to look at, to watch? <clears throat> Yeah, so um, I've not only invested like currency into Bitcoin, but I'm also investing my career in Bitcoin. So right now I'm the director of product marketing for Unchained Capital. Uh, we're an Austin, Texas-based Bitcoin financial services company. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, what we do is we offer long-term storage solutions for the sovereign hodler um, using multi-signature. Um, so if you're thinking about Bitcoin for the really long term, um, for example, passing along to your descendants, uh, you really, so going from Coinbase to self-custody is step one. Going from self-custody to multi-sig is essentially the same level of security jump, at least from my perspective. Um, so that's what we offer. We offer long-term storage for holders. And then for people who need US dollar liquidity um, without wanting to sell their Bitcoin, um, they can access collateralized U.S. dollar loans. And these are just our first two products. We're really trying to be the very first Bitcoin financial service company that gives our customers a hand on their keys at all times. Um, so we're a little bit different. Um, I'm you know, super thrilled to be working here and, and love the product and use it myself. Um, and I highly recommend that you guys check it out, especially if you're thinking about how do I pass on my Bitcoin to the next generation? Um, we're really trying to solve that problem with good usability. Um, outside of that, you can follow me on Twitter, um, Phil underscore Geiger. 
Uh, it's a picture, my, my Twitter profile handle is a picture of me mountain biking because that's my other passion. I watched your video. I watched the little video below it with you on your mountain yeah. bike. <laughs> I like to, you know, non nonsensically combine my passions uh, for for edutainment purposes. Uh, purposes. Love it. Um, yeah. And the other thing that Unchained Capital does, and we've we've done a good job recently, is we put out a lot of really excellent beginner Bitcoin content. So my colleague is writing a blog called Gradually Then Suddenly, which walks you through the answers to questions like, is why is Bitcoin so volatile? Um, so he has an article called Bitcoin is not too volatile. Bitcoin is not too slow. Um, Bitcoin does not waste energy. So a lot of really, really good in-depth uh, research into these common questions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, follow us uh, on Twitter at, at UnchainedCap and then follow me on Twitter at Phil underscore Geiger. Right. So I've just in the notes section that will be uploaded after the show, I've just got your Twitter. So if you can, when we're off, off live, can ping me over that other link. I'll add that underneath it for people to find it as well, Phil. Um, right, Phil, if you can just bear with me. Um, this is quite weird now because you've just promoted what you're doing and my show sponsors are on the call. So I've now got to promote their site, which is pretty well what you're doing but hey it's like saying you can only have one bank in the world you can only have one shop in the world there's going to be multitudes so guys if you would just bear with me i'm going to pick up my desktop and say guys please check out justlearnbitcoin.com dan runs this from down in mexico uh, rocky's uh, working with dan and rocky's very very well respected um in the bitcoin space uh, justlearnbitcoin.com again a, really a little bit like phil's just described from his company you know anything to do with wallet setup and backup best long-term storage solution for you. Whoops. Uh, coin splitting, airdrops, recovering coins sent to the wrong chain, questions about mining, pretty well anything to do with Just Learn, to do with Bitcoin. You know, obviously do check out Phil's site, please. But, you know, do check out justlearnbitcoin.com. If I just head inside the site for a, for a bit, you will see that they've got supporters like uh, Bitcoin to the moon, um, Hoddle the Four Satoshis there, um, um, I think I'm on there somewhere. There's some other um, sponsors. But again, consulting, learning to trade, buying Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? they got a merch site over there as well. Um, what I want to do, people, um, I want to get you all to take a look at this tab here that says, please help return 14.2 Bitcoin to Pastor Phil. Now, I've come to know uh, Phil over the last few months because we did a show, if I can scroll up and the technology works, um, we did a show with myself, uh, Phil and Rocky, um, and it basically highlighted how Pastor Phil um, has done lots of good in his community. He's taken in um, disadvantaged children and brought them up as his own. He's accumulated a little bit of Bitcoin over time. And then he was updating his Trezor firmware and he was hacked and all of his Bitcoin was stolen. 14.2 Bitcoin gone. Um, on this particular video, um, Rocky talks about 
I don't know what it is. It was a GNS hack or something, but go and check it out yourself. Um, Phil just missed something up in the URL bar and 24 hours later he checked and all his Bitcoin was gone. So I'm just trying to push this out there to reach as many people as we can um, to donate a little bit of Bitcoin to uh, Phil's cause. Um, here it is, DNS or BGP. Uh, hijacking attack. I don't understand it, but basically you can donate a tiny bit of Litecoin, a tiny bit of Bitcoin Rhodium, um, Mimble Wimble, I think. Chris Gilliard, after going on my show, is donating um, the equivalent of 14.2 Bitcoin in MWC coin to fill as soon as a claiming process happens, which is a very, very, very generous thing to do. We've donated twice. Guys, a fiver, five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred, whatever you got. What I want you to do is reach out, share this on Twitter um, and all your social media, so that we can hopefully hit a whale that might see this and say, you know what, I'm going to donate to this guy's cause. Um, finally, if I may, I just want to uh, finish with a quote because you all know I'm big on quotes, and I love this one based on what we've talked about on the show today. If it's important, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. We can all find a reason or an excuse why we can't afford to get into the Bitcoin overlay, can't we? I can't afford it. I haven't got this. I haven't got that. I don't earn enough. Um, I personally think that's a cop-out. We can all look at our finances, look at what we got coming in, what we waste our money on, and every single one of us, even if it's a tenner, a fiver, $20, £20, could dollar cost average a little bit into uh, buying some Bitcoin. You've heard it from the horse's mouth this evening in the UK today, over there in um, Texas, guys. Um, this thing's going to moon. None of us know when, but it is going to moon. So... Please, please, please start dollar cost averaging in without any financial advice. Obviously, I implore you. Um, to end the show, please like this, share it, subscribe, bash the bell button. Um, if you're watching this on Catch Up on Steam, it gives us an upvote and a re-steam. Share it across the platforms. Um, when I upvote my, when I upload the notes, there's a tipping.me address if you want to donate a small donation to the channel. I'd rather you don't, actually. I'd rather you pick the link up and share it on your Twitter feed and then head over to Pastor Phil's site and make a tiny donation, no matter how small. Um, I communicate with Rocky a lot and we're quite staggered at actually how many people go to the site and then leave the site and don't make a tiny donation. And what I'd ask you all to do is turn it round. If that were you, if that happened to you, how demoralised and deflated would you be if all these lovely Bitcoiners, these crypto people that want to change the world, went to your site and then left without putting anything in, no matter how tiny. So if I can encourage you to do that, that would be superb. Guys, that is the end of the show. Let's do the split screen once more and say, Phil, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute blast. I've certainly loved it. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Brian. Anytime. Yeah, you're totally welcome. Guys, uh, as I end the show, um, you will see some squares appear wherever they're going to appear at the end of the show where you can click on the links to uh, my UK Bitcoin Master site with all my videos and the... Um, 
Bitcoin interview site that just houses these interviews. So check those out. That is the end of the show. Phil, once again, thanks for being on the call with me. Have a great evening wherever you are. Have a great day wherever you are. I'm out of here. I will catch you all with my regular 6pm UK Monday show. I'm Brian, the UK Bitcoin master, signing off. Ciao, everyone. See ya. Cheers.